Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the cathedral. On this Memorial Day, we mourn our honored dead. We acknowledge that freedom isn't free. And why is freedom not free? Because evil is in the world. Now you see, as individuals, sometimes we may be called upon to turn the other cheek. That is a personal response, even a Christian duty. Yet the number one responsibility of any political leader or government is to protect the nation under its care. The people as a whole must be protected from crime, from violence, and from the onslaught of evil. That is why scripture teaches us that the magistrate does not bear the sword in vain. And in bearing the sword, sometimes men and women may be called upon to pay the ultimate price for the protection of others in defense of that which is right. And those who have paid that ultimate price deserve our particular honor. And on this Memorial Day, we honor their loss. We mourn their loss. But today, we also mourn the current state of our nation. We have turned aside from God's ways and followed our own wisdom. We have acted as if there will never come a day of judgment for ourselves and for our leaders. But friends, that day is coming. In fact, it is already falling upon us. Our secularism and our greed have brought us to the very brink of financial collapse. Every day, while the tiniest portion of our population grows richer and richer, the majority fall farther and farther behind. Daily, scores are falling beneath the poverty line. We have made it nearly impossible for dad alone to be the provider for his family. So what shall we say for the poor single mom or single dad? We Christians have stood idly by while the majority have been deceived. Ever since the sexual revolution of the 60s, yes, even up to this very day, as a nation we have acted as if all behaviors have equal outcomes. Make whatever choices that feel right to you. Don't worry, technology will deliver you from any unwanted consequences. And so, we've slaughtered 50 million children. And the family structure has been torn to shreds. And it's the children. It is always the children who are made to pay the price. Yet perhaps most damaging of all is this new religion that we have adopted. It advocates the now widespread belief 
that I am not responsible for my moral choices. Genetics, family dysfunction, poverty, lack of education, they all dictate what I am and what I must be and therefore what I must do. Popular sentiment considers it practically inhuman to ask anyone to stand up against the tide of their own fallen inclinations. We have lost our virtue in every sense of that word. And with it, our liberties. As we've lost control of ourselves, we've had to take on many new masters to control us. Therefore, we mourn this morning because those freedoms which have been purchased at such a high price have been sorely misused. And many have been traded away and lost altogether. As the apostle says, we were called to freedom, but we have used our freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So where, you might ask, does a lively faith intersect with this very worldly business of politics, government, and nation building? If our study of the book of Revelation has taught us anything, it has taught us this, that the kingdoms of this world cannot last forever. They must pass away and be replaced by the spiritual kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. But what about the meantime? What business has the Christian in politics? Well, a whole lot, actually. For you see, the whole idea of a free people depends upon the concept of self-government. Now, self-government does not mean lawlessness or that every person gets to do whatever is right in their own eyes. Kids, here this morning, you know from personal experience that every household has rules. And what mom and dad are trying to teach you is that even when they are not looking, when you think they will never know, you keep on doing what is right because that little something inside of you says, these rules are good. And if I follow these rules, it will bring me blessing and joy. And if I don't, I'll be throwing chaos and unhappiness into my own home. Now, our nation is a republic. And a republic absolutely depends on the idea that those who vote as free people actually have a restraint upon them. It is not the restraint of a big brother state. Rather, it is the restraint that morality and wisdom, is, which is given by religion. When, you see, that restraint disappears, then the government must restrain people. 
for peace to exist, people's hearts must be under control. But if they will not do it with the Bible, the government must do it with a bayonet. Christian, the truth that you proclaim, the truth that you model, that you live out, is a guide to the secular nation around you. Jesus taught, you are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill. My opinion this morning is for us to pretend that this is a Christian nation is probably to confuse the situation more than it is to help it. Those who seriously believe the scriptures are probably less than 40% of our entire population. It may not seem like it when you live in the Bible Belt, but taking the nation as a whole. But that does not mean there is no place for us as Christians in the public square. There is. I would offer to you this morning there are three vital roles which we Christians must perform if this republic is to survive. The first role is this. By your life and by the proclamation of your lips, you and I must teach and affirm three great religious truths to the people around us. No, of course, not everybody is going to be a believer. That's not what I'm saying. Yet we can live in such a way that we make the truth of these three things plausible. These three truths form a worldview that brings self-restraint. And where there is self-restraint, there and there only can there be liberty. Here's those three things. First of all, one, we affirm there is a God who rules over the affairs of mankind. Amen. Secondly, we affirm and believe that there will come a day of accountability, not only in this life, but in the life to come, and every human action will face judgment. And three, there really is such a thing as public virtue. There is a good which must be cultivated for the sake of society as a whole. Yes, absolutely, we can speak of right and wrong. We must. The second role of the Christian in secular society is this. We must insist and we must keep on insisting that religion not retreat from public life. Religious liberty is an essential component to a free society. Whether we're a Christian nation or not, I do not know, but this much I know, all the early framers of our government believe this. I've given you a handout there that you might want to take home and read this afternoon. You see, if religion is driven from the public square, 
if it is driven back inside the walls of a church, then no voice for developing the conscience remains in society at large. Well, no voice, that is, except that of the beast and the false prophet. And Christian, here is the third reason the Republic needs you. You and I must intercede for this nation. Peter says, you and I are a royal priesthood. I, Colin, Leonard, yes, we might be priests of this church, but you all are priests for this nation before God. You all must intercede for our country before God. Like Daniel's in the Persian kingdom of old, you all are the ones that must intercede before the true and living God for our republic. You must not only confess your own sins before Almighty God, seeking his forgiveness, but you must do so on behalf of unbelievers, the ones who are around you. You must employ, implore God's mercy on them who scarcely know him or maybe even insist he does not exist. So this morning, friends, I invite you, pray. Pray for your unbelieving colleagues. Pray for your pagan neighbors. Pray for judges and leaders and legislatures. And pray for our republic. And may the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob have mercy on us all. Amen.